Hello, everybody. Welcome into this third edition of uh, In Session, FNPpodcast.com, the award-winning podcast umbrella for the Frederick News Post or something like that. I'm here um, with Kelsey Luce and Danielle E. Gaines, as always. How are you, my best friends? Hi, Do- Colin. Doing all right. Thanks, Colin. How are you? Um, well, not as good because you didn't call me your best friend, so... It hurts. It hurts right now. Colin, we're um, in we're a very fancy location this week. We're up in the TV studio in the House of Delegates. It's very nice. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. There's marble or stuff that looks like marble. Wow. Are there television cameras there? Um, there's stands for them. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Which is the next I'm, best I'm glad. thing. At least it's not Jigsaw's Lair, which is what yeah. we got accustomed to last yeah. year. Yes, we're not in a basement. Uh, we're going to try to keep this shorter than normal because uh, we have a very exclusive interview coming up with the governor, Danielle, I believe, correct? Yes, I was able to sit down with Governor Larry Hogan for about 15 minutes earlier this week, and I got a tour of the governor's office, and I was able to talk to him about a few issues that are important to people of Frederick County, um, gerrymandering, Colin's favorite, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the downtown hotel and conference center, among other topics. Did you ask him if he would be a guest on any other podcast, perhaps? I did not. <laughs> <sighs> well, that was the only question we wanted to know. But we'll get into stuff this week, because this was a busy week and a hard week, from what I understand, a tough week. Uh, you guys are in the thick of it now. Yep. Three weeks in. Uh, the week started off with a mom's demand action rally. Uh, it was to tighten domestic abuser laws. Kelsey, you wrote about it uh, earlier this week. Uh, it would have been two days ago, but this comes out on Friday, so it would have been Tuesday. There mm-hmm. we go. I'm glad I got my calendar correct. So can you tell us a little bit about this? 150 moms uh, called for a bill that would require costs to notify people convicted of domestic violence that, violence that they are legally prohibited from possessing guns and other things. I'm sorry, I just read that. I didn't mean to. Go ahead, Kelsey. What? Tell us more about it. That's absolutely correct. So the issue is that if there's a protective order against someone um, accused of domestic violence, they're not allowed to have guns. But the advocates for this bill see that claim that there's kind of a loophole in that if you're convicted of domestic violence charges, there's not really anything to require you to hand over your guns. So what they'd like to see is uh, a bill that would require judges to let these uh, convicted domestic abusers know that they're barred from having firearms and also require them to either sell or turn their guns over to the police. So uh, a lot of the Frederick County uh, delegation that I spoke to seems to think that this is a generally a good idea. Senator Huff had one concern because they had trouble getting this through last time because of the issue of who would be in charge of making sure that the guns are out of domestic abusers' hands. So there seems to be some general support for it, but there's a lot of details to be ironed out. There, there was uh, a lot of Frederick County was sort of represented here. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Among the uh, among the people in support of the bill. Yeah. I, I spoke to a woman who had just gotten involved after uh, after Sandy Hook and she was up here. She spoke to Delegate Krim about her concerns and her support for the bill. Uh, so this is do you have any sense of if this uh, if this is all going to pass this year? 
Well, it all comes down to the details. It's all going to come down to the details because, like I said, it, it, it seems like at least our it seems like it at least has general support, at least among our representatives. So we'll see where it goes when when they get the bill language in there. Yeah, this is um, a bill that has come up a lot in recent years, and I remember covering this last year um, in Senator Huff's committee, uh, where the real issue is not that people disagree with the underlying policy, but there's disagreement about what person or agency or mechanism there should be to make this happen, and, and that's the sticking point. Um, at the at the rally that Kelsey covered, though, the House Speaker actually came and he said that it was his goal to get this passed this year. So it is coming from a high-level position, you know, in at least the House chamber that this will be passed this year. Something similar didn't pass last year? It's actually been simmering for a few years, and, it, and it's always just this um, – transactional technical side really that seems to be causing the problem okay so we'll keep an eye on that moving forward um also this week uh maryland lawmaker salaries it was reported by you danielle uh they will remain the same and you also um you also offered up this extensive fascinating twitter thread yeah uh, <laughs> which i should say you can follow danielle on the twitter at Danielle E. Gaines. That's a good plug for Danielle's Twitter feed. It's <laughs> yes. the best Twitter feed on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so so what, what happened here? Uh, I see that they're going to freeze salaries at about $50,000 through 2022. Yeah, so um, Maryland, like many states, has moved to a process that keeps lawmakers from voting necessarily on their own salaries. So there is the General Assembly Compensation Commission, and they come out with a report every four years in the last year of the current lawmakers' terms. And then their recommendation can be accepted. Um, the recommendation actually becomes law unless it's rejected by the General Assembly. So the salaries that the commission recommends usually take effect. It's only not taken effect, I think, twice in the past 13 years when it was rejected by the General Assembly. Um, and they take effect for the next term. So, um, you know, they're not necessarily voting on their own salary. They're only voting on it if they potentially get reelected. You have, I, I am looking through your Twitter right now, and there's this, this little nugget. Lawmakers are able to claim lodging in Annapolis at a standard government rate of $101 last session. Yeah. And there's uh, the most common lodging uh, option was the Westin, which I think is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you kind of have a lot of these nuggets throughout your Twitter thread. Again, people follow Danielle on Twitter. Was there anything that stuck out to you as memorable that was sort of uh, more interesting than others? I thought I think the sure. lodging thing is very interesting. Yeah, there were a few things. There was um, one of the graphs that I posted. All of these things, by the way, were done by the terrific Department of Legislative Services. I think they're all super brilliant, and they have all these statistics all the time. Um, so I pulled out a few of their graphs that were in this 
52-page compensation report. And um, one of the first ones I posted was a chart that looks at the number of bills that were introduced and passed every single year since 1987. Um, one of the things the Compensation Commission wrote about was trying to understand how much work lawmakers in Maryland are doing outside of the 90-day full-time session and whether or not it's a level of work that should require um, you know, a higher level of pay. So one of the things that came out in that chart was that last year there were 2,861 bills introduced in total, and 935 of them became law and or were passed. Um, some of those are duplicative, but 935 bills were passed last year, and that's the highest number um, since 1987. The percentage on that is an interesting number, too. Did they come up with that? I didn't see that anywhere on your Twitter feed, like the percentage of, of bills that get passed that were introduced. Um, I'm not so good at math off the top of my head. Yes, neither am I. <laughs> I don't know. What is that? Like a third-ish? Sure. <laughs> Call it a we're third. We're journalists. We don't have to do math. Yeah. My favorite one, though, is $47 per day for meal reimbursement. You're eating good. Mm -hmm. So um, I will say that the hotel lodging rate and the food per diem rate are based on um, external standards in other parts of the country. So I think both of these are based on federal um, reimbursement levels for uh, government employees. But almost everyone claims the full 47 every day. Of course. Why wouldn't you? I would do that. I would. Yeah. yeah wow. So, okay, a lot of fascinating stuff there. Go to uh, Twitter. For those of you who don't know what Twitter is, go to twitter.com, and you can find uh, Danielle E. Gaines. Yes. A, a great I'll, I'll, follow. I'll tweet something about Kelsey's Twitter, too. <laughs> okay, yes. And Kelsey uh She's Kelsey at Kelsey Luce. Luce. Yeah. Yes, at Kelsey Luce. I had that. I had that. See? Yeah. Much love. Much love <laughs> to both of you. Um so it turns out Ron Young is going to have some competition coming up. And there were a couple stories about that this week. Uh, Kelsey, if you kind of want to take us through it, I know one of our uh, former mayors here in town is throwing her name into the race. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, that's right. So the two Jennifers are going to take a run at the Democratic seat for uh, Senate District 3. So Jennifer Doherty, former mayor Frederick, and uh, owner of Magoo's Pub, if you're into the Irish bar scene, yum yum, will be challenging him. And uh, so her basic platform is she wants to approach it with a creative, practical, solutions-oriented approach. And how about the other Jennifer? <laughs> she is a research scientist. This is Jennifer Brannon of Whittier. Yes. She's a research scientist who uh, works at Fort Detrick, and um, she wants to bring that scientific, analytical, uh, method, you know, method-oriented approach to, to legislation. And her main platform is um, family issues. She supports uh, paid family leave. Um, and also the uh, the fifteen dollar minimum wage. Now it should be noted that Senator Ron Young, her her uh, primary opponent, he also supports that fifteen dollar minimum wage. Did you get a chance to talk to Senator Ron Young in response to any of this? Um, very briefly, very briefly. At this point, I just kind of wanted to to see where he stood on the issue of 
that $15 minimum wage. I just wanted to quickly establish the differences between them, but there'll be much more. There'll be much more coming out as the race progresses about where each candidate stands and the differences between them. So, um, yeah, just very briefly, I checked in with them, but we'll, we'll see more of that soon. I, I did just happen to run into him earlier this week and um, Ooh, name asked. Drop. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, we work in the same building. <laughs> it's not that uh, unusual, but. <laughs> but um, I ran into Graham Cullen today. Anyways, we did ahead. talk about the fact that he's the incumbent being challenged in a primary in a really hotly contested seat. And he basically just said, you know, that's that's democracy. That's how it works. And, uh, you know, I've got no problem with with being primaried by members of my own party. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, well, we should keep an eye on that. That'll be something uh, to take note of. Is it? So I think it's June is the primary. Is that yes. correct? June twenty sixth. Okay. June twenty sixth. So we'll we'll be sure to pay attention to that. Um, Maryland uh, has a tax or this whole idea of tax credit for filmmakers in Maryland has been something that we've talked about before, at least last year. I think so, Danielle. Right. Uh, yeah, yes. we had a lot of Frederick folks come out for a hearing last year on a bill from Ron Young. I think it's very similar to the one Kelsey's going to tell you about mm-hmm. um, that would just direct a portion of the state's film track tax credit to smaller productions. Right now, the amount that's set aside really gets gobbled up by very big productions and then there's nothing left. Yes, like House of Cards. I said it. Exactly. That, that go. got mentioned. And uh, yes. Senator Ron Young mentioned he was a fan of House of Cards as he spoke before the um, the Budget and Taxation Committee. So um, the proposal Ooh. that they're working on this year, which, um, as Danielle said, I think is pretty similar to last year, is uh, qualified filmmakers, filmmakers that employ at least 40% of the workforce from Maryland and spend at least $25,000 in Maryland would be able to, to claim a tax credit of 25% off of their production filmmaking costs um, and that's limited at $125,000 but some of the filmmakers that spoke like like Eduardo Sanchez the co-director of the Blair Witch Project they were saying that that credit would um, really go a long way to help foster you know Maryland film in Maryland you know allowing them to do their work here instead of flying across the country to LA or you know going up north to New York Quote, it would be great to be able to sleep in my bed sometimes when I'm working, that's right. he said. Unquote. Yeah, that's, so that's what he said because he mentioned he was about to go on a four-month uh, four work trip. Hmm. So how cool is it to talk to the director of the Blair Witch Project? Oh, it was pretty neat. I, I, I didn't mention that the movie <laughs> kind of made me nauseous because of the camera work. I, I left that Whoa. to myself, kept it to myself. <laughs> Shade, Although I guess if he listens the to this, then... then <laughs> <laughs> that's, we'll be sure to tweet it. At him, and then of, of of course this week, Kelsey, we had some stuff happen in the medical marijuana industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that everybody's kind of interested in what's going on with this and what happened uh, this week with the taxation committee. I think. Yeah. So at that very same hearing, there was an interesting proposal again from Senator Young. Um, this was all at the same time. This proposal would basically allow medical marijuana companies to write off business expenses just like any other company because the problem is right now um, federal under federal law all of these medical marijuana companies are technically still legal so they have to pay taxes on their earnings even though the federal government considers them illegal earnings 
but because of that status, they can't claim them as expenses. So okay. what, what all this would do would kind of put those companies on the same page as any other business. And that was a point that some of the um, medical marijuana lobbyists mentioned, uh, brought up, I should say, brought up at that hearing. So they're happy right now, the medical marijuana lobbyists? Uh, well, if this were to pass, I assume they would be. There wasn't anyone that spoke out against it. I don't know if there'll be, if there'll be people coming out against it later on, but yeah. I see. Yeah, Senator Ron Young had had a bit to say about it as well. He's in the news a lot this week. He it was a busy week for him. He tends yeah. to file bills early and often, mm-hmm. so he has a lot of early session bill hearings. Aha! Uh-huh, but does he so, have in session? <laughs> but we'll have lots of uh, bill hearing stories from other lawmakers soon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Including the story about Bill Green. I had I had to do it. Uh, um, the best. If you were to run for office, I think side. you'd end up losing your mind. <laughs> That's very very true. Um, the best thing every week in um, in the Frederick News Post it is the political notes column. Uh, do we have the bumper music this week? So, yes, um, political notes, I'm really interested, really, really interested in this. As I said, it's the best thing every week in the paper, and that's because (laughs) stuff like this is in political notes. Uh, I'm just going to – so Delegate Karen Lewis Young introduced a measure that would allow students in Maryland to use sunscreen without a doctor's note Mm -hmm. at school. I didn't even know this was a thing. Can you please explain to me what this is about? Yeah, so what it is is different school districts have different rules on if students can just go ahead and apply sunscreen to themselves because my understanding is that it's kind of considered a medication. So um, Delegate Lewis Young's bill would basically just make it so that it's a – consistent across the state any student can put on sunscreen or if the student is unable to put on their own sunscreen an educator could put it on them if it's necessary uh so yeah um this would hopefully keep people from getting terrible sunburns we should be able to put on sunscreen i mean that's just me that maybe you guys don't agree i'm not saying you agree with anything i'm saying i'm just saying that me if you need some sunscreen i'd rather put it on myself than some teacher put it on me sure. actually not to interject here and take away from political notes but the governor gave a psa today during his press conference that uh young people wow. should wear sunscreen because he said he didn't uh wear sunscreen enough when he was younger and he just had some dermatological procedures this past uh. week um, so he was encouraging people to wear more sunscreen. So it's kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah. I need to wear sunscreen on my balding head I learned over the summer. And <laughs> oh, that hurts gosh. when it's burned. That's got to um, be painful. There's, what, what's this about laser pointers? So now there's a yeah. proposal that you cannot so, shine a laser pointer at somebody driving? Yeah. So some of these bills, like I, I put them in as a collection of quirky bills, but I don't want to say that they're trivial or not important because this bill actually came from something pretty horrible. Um, this guy from, from Sykesville was last year was pointing a laser pointer at a Maryland state police <laughs> helicopter, and it caused eye injuries to the pilot and crew. So uh, oh. Delegate Mark Fisher, who's out of Calvert County, who represents Calvert County, um, has proposed a bill that would prohibit someone from, from shining a laser pointer at either a motor vehicle or a plane or a helicopter. And uh, it actually establishes a penalty of up to 25 years in prison if it causes wow. bodily injury. So that's, yeah, that's, that's wow. no joke. 25 years. My goodness. Wow. And then, uh, of course, pigeons. 
Yeah. Pigeons are going to be, they're going to be in the list of unprotected birds. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is kind of a weird clerical bill because um, the pigeons were on the federal list of unprotected birds. So essentially that means that you could hunt them. But then on in 2017, for whatever reason, I don't know yet, they weren't included on that list. So since the um, State Department of Natural Resources isn't all of a sudden going to punish people for hunting pigeons, there's this bill in the works to uh, basically make it consistent and say, no, you, you can hunt pigeons if you want to. Huh. And then there's another sort of hunter-related thing. If you donate venison, you get 50 bucks? Yeah, up to 50 bucks for um, in tax credits related to the cost of the dressing the deer. So that's kind of a neat way to encourage people to um, donate venison to, uh, th- there's two organizations that are eligible, the Maryland Food Bank or Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry. Look at that. We could all use an extra 50 bucks, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Another Although I guess if you're in Annapolis, 50 bucks gets you free food every day. What were you going to say, <laughs> Daniel? I'm sorry. No, another uh, quirky, quirky bill that we're going to have added in there, too, is um, something we discussed last year, which is Senator Young's dissection bill. Ah, yes. So um, that is back. Uh, it's a bill that would allow yeah. students to opt out of dissecting animals. And... Um, if you remember, Colin, from last year, this is a bill that passed out of committee just fine and actually came to the floor of the Senate, which is where it d- attracted a lot of debate. And um, Senator Huff was among the group of senators who were speaking out um, against this bill on the floor, uh, which ultimately led to its failure um, it, like mid-session. So um, Senator Young says he's back at it again and he's going to introduce it again. Boy, schools are really interesting places to be these days. Sunscreen and di- <laughs> dissection. It's, it's tough to be a kid, those millennials. Those millennials. So um, before before I ask you what you had to eat this week, because that's what I always do, uh, Danielle, if you could it just give us a, a, a couple seconds on how the talk with the governor went and and what we have to look forward to. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I met with the governor. It was really neat. Um, he gave me a tour of his office where I saw a lot of things, and I think we might Wait, have you some... you saw of- his office? Yeah, yeah, we met in his office. So um, I saw, you know, a signed guitar that he has from Tim McGraw. I saw pictures of hey. him and the First Lady Yumi Hogan with... Um, uh, former President Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, as well as photos of them with um, current President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump. Um, He also had some Coke bottles on one of his cabinets. And aside from trying to cover things in the General Assembly, my other main goal this week has been finding the new flavors of Diet Coke. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's what I hear. So he didn't have any mango Coke? No, I got it. I got it this morning. It was uh, oh. one of my colleagues had it in a fridge. I had it cold. I've had two cans. It's the best one. <laughs> it's the best one. Have you tried the other ones? Uh, yes. There was a very scientific with and without rum taste test at my house last night. Um, so I put my rankings well, every- on my Twitter so people can go on my okay, Twitter again. for that too. <laughs> Which one goes the best whole- with rum? The ginger lime is best with rum. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So in session is nothing more than a vehicle to promote Danielle, Danielle's Twitter feed. 
which we're happy to do. <laughs> we're very happy to do. Okay, so in addition to rum, which hopefully you had for dinner every night this week, what else did you eat? Uh, anything good in Annapolis? Uh, Kelsey. I've, I've just been bringing uh, almond butter sandwiches. Nothing exciting. Oh, man. That's yeah. not exciting. Danielle, did you eat anything? Um, Diet Coke and rum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll take it. That's, that's fair enough. Okay, so anything next week we need to know about that you know about already? Yeah, we have, we'll have some stories coming up about um, the tax plans and mm-hmm. what uh, lawmakers intend to do in response to the federal tax plan. And we'll also have some uh, more updates on the ongoing campaign. Yeah, and then on Tuesday, the uh, Senate Budget and Taxation Committee is going to review the Frederick County Ethics Law, which um, if you're a regular News Post reader, you should have seen a story about that last week. So we'll see what they have to say about it. Great. So that's a lot. We'll all look forward to it. And then we'll meet next week to catch up again, I do believe. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, Thank you guys so much. I know you're busy. And uh, have a good day the rest of your day in Annapolis. Thanks, Colin. You too. Take care. And now here's Danielle Gaines' interview with Governor Larry Hogan. Um, We've got about 15. Okay. Yep. I'll try to go quick. Um, Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. (laughs) This, is this your first time in here in this office? It is, yeah. It's pretty cool, I was right? if you could point out a couple of things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll favorite. tell you. You want to do that? I don't want to take too much yeah, of your time sure to catch off. But we, this won't count for her 15, yeah. how about? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's really cool stuff. Like, you know, there's George Washington because you know, he resigned his commission as commander-in-chief, and this is his speech uh, yeah. on the wall here. Um, the original's downstairs. But when he, uh, he turned over the government to the civilians, first time a commanding general had ever done that. Uh, that's a picture of it down here. The Treaty of Paris. Again, it's a replica, but they ratified that ending the Revolutionary War here. So a couple people come in and go, isn't he a Virginian? But yeah, but he's also a lot of history here. This one is one of my favorites. Um, Tim McGraw. I'm a, kind of a country music fan. and okay. Tim McGraw has a great song called Live Like You Were Dying. And uh, it's about kind of making the most out of whatever time you have. And when I got cancer, I, that was my theme song. I kept playing it. I went out to my iPad. And then McGraw did a a benefit concert for the University of Maryland where I was being treated and that was the end of my chemo so I came and he dedicated the song to me sang the song to me last song of the night this one goes out to the governor he's a good guy fighting a tough battle and then he signed his guitar oh that's cool the song sheet and the lyrics and we were hanging out oh that's cool it's kind of cool so I got blessed by the Pope on behalf of all cancer patients and people go how come the Pope gets 8 by 10 and Tim McGraw gets like a 4 foot (laughs) (laughs) the University of Maryland gave that to me so medical system oh, cool. um, and uh, it's just lots of different uh, you've got Mike Pence and Barack Obama so yeah bipartisan well, here I have like, uh, this is at the White House with the Obamas this is at the White House with the Trumps and we go Ooh. every year to a, all the all 50 governors go for a dinner so I've been to cool. both of them and uh, I don't know this is just reminders from the inauguration which is just exactly three years ago yeah and oh, yeah, uh, old stuff over here this is when Chris Christie and I were both thinner and uh, <laughs> had hair. Uh, but, yeah, lots of firefighter stuff, police officers. Uh, you know, I was honored to be, I'm the first person ever to receive the Trooper of the Year award that wasn't a trooper. Oh, year, so. cool. But, well, I know you came to the uh, the softball game in Frederick. Yeah, in well, that's all, I try to do that every year. Okay. I think I missed one. Uh, but yeah, this, even when I was sick, I, tried, I got up there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's awesome it's just to thank the guys for all the work that they do every day. Yeah. Um, 
Well, we were kind of talking about it here, and you shared a story with the Speaker of the House on the first day of session about you guys' health concerns. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling now? I, I feel great. I'm, I'm uh, you know, just thrilled to uh, be 100% uh, cancer-free and in complete remission, and I'm feeling better. It, it takes a little while, so I'm not, you know, it, I, I wasn't quite 100%, but now I'm feeling like I am. It just takes a while. I did 18 months of chemotherapy, so uh, they say it takes about that many months to really get back and uh, so but I feel terrific and I'm, it's really I'm thankful that the speaker's doing so well too I mean he had an even tougher situation than me I think and uh, with his transplant but he's looking stronger every day and we, we, we did you know I reached he reached out to me when I first was diagnosed with cancer I reached out to him as soon as we heard about his situation and even though we might uh, you know we might be debating on different sides of issues sometimes I mean when, when something like that happens uh, I said to him, you know, all these little things that we disagree about really aren't that important. You know, the things that are important are your family and people you love and friends. And, you know, he's like, I, absolutely. And then he got sick, you know, same way. So, mm -hmm. interesting. It humanized us. And, you know, it, it, we had, it, it added a new dimension to our relationship, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you received a really warm welcome in both chambers um, on They didn't throw day. anything at me, though. <laughs> <laughs> on the opening day. Um, aside from, from moments like those, do you feel like you, you and the Democratic leadership of the House and Senate get together enough and talk enough? You know, I'd like to do it more. I, um, I've reached out to uh, both the uh, Speaker and the uh, President right before session and said I wanted to, uh, you know, have an open-door policy and meet with them as often as possible. And, but we're working on trying to set up different meetings with both of them. Um, they haven't uh, finalized any of those scheduling things with us yet, but um, you know, last time I had multiple times where we had breakfast or lunch or had them over for a drink or you know maybe it's a drink with, with the president of the senate and a cup of coffee with the speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it, 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 we I told them I wanted to, uh, them to pick up the phone and call me about anything that we're ready to talk about any issues they want, and I'd like to have more dialogue. But sometimes it seems like you know they, they get busy and they're. Uh, focused on their issues, but I think it's important for us to talk and communicate, and I think it's one of the things that we do so much better than they do in Washington, uh, where they don't ever seem to talk, and all they do is point fingers and criticize each other and never get anything done. Um, we're actually getting things done, and so you know you might have a little uh, a little uh, disagreement here and there, but you know if you look at what we accomplished in three years, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, after the disagreement over breakfast last week, have you yeah. had a chance to catch up with them? Um, no, I haven't. I mean, I've bumped into them walking by the hallway, but we haven't sat down together. Um, you know, I was disappointed that they didn't uh, come to the breakfast. They didn't get a chance to you know, get some valuable information on the budget, but uh, you know, that was the decision they made. Okay. Uh, something that you talk about a lot that's important to Frederick County is the uh, Maryland State Congressional Map and Legislative Map. Yes. Um, and I'm wondering, um, I want you to talk a little bit, if you would, um, about your new bipartisan effort and um, maybe explain what you think is the difference between the bipartisan approach that you're taking and um, the bipartisan approach that Democratic lawmakers yeah. have taken. Because I think they feel very strongly that that's also a worthy approach. Well, so um, I've pushed for three years in a row, this will be our fourth year. Uh, for non, a nonpartisan redistricting commission that would be truly nonpartisan and would try to remove 
all the politicians from the process. Uh, I just don't think uh, legislators should be picking their constituents. I think the constituents should be picking their legislators. So, so we're talking about both congressional districts and legislative districts. And we've been found to have the most, the worst gerrymandered districts in America. And, uh, and our legislative districts in some cases worse than the congressional districts. Our uh, proposed uh, legislation, which was, this was after a nonpartisan, bipartisan group uh, headed by a former federal judge, uh, Alex Williams, who's an African-American Democrat that headed up the, the thing along with um, you know, Common Cause, Illegal Women Voters, you know, all these folks are supportive of our bill, nearly everyone. About 90% of the people in the state agree with it. Um, the difference is their bill um, was saying Maryland can't take any action until five other states do it first. And it would only apply to congressional districts. They won't fix the legislative districts. And they uh, basically made it so that there really would, would not be a bipartisan commission, but uh, the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate would appoint their, all their own members uh, without us uh, to uh, a commission, which would then draw the lines anyway they told them to. It would make it more partisan. Hmm. So it's terrible. Uh, I uh, vetoed the bill. Baltimore Sun... Uh, you know, really raked them over the coals about what a phony bill it was and how terrible uh, they thought it was. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're hoping uh, that maybe they'll pay attention to the people in Maryland and finally take real action with us this year. Do you think there's a middle... And that district, by the way, that congressional district, you know, the previous governor, Martin O'Malley, admitted that he broke the law by doing exactly what you're not allowed to, allowed to do. He, he did it specifically to elect a, a certain party's congressman. And, uh, you know, that, that case he was deposed in, uh, Miller and Bush were also gave de depositions. They have conflicting testimony. And uh, we just signed on uh, with an amicus brief, uh, along with former Democratic Governor Gray Davis of, of uh, California, to support this citizen effort. And uh, I think the Supreme Court's going to rule in our favor and uh, overturn the districts. And uh, I was going to ask you, so Governor Davis, did you know him before this, or how did you He's guys just a guy who's connect? very passionate about I think we're going to have other governors sign on, and I hope we will, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, no, no party, uh, one party has a monopoly on this. I mean, we're, both parties are guilty of it in different states. Where If you have a one-party monopoly of Republicans, they're doing it to the Democrats. And when you have a one-party monopoly of Democrats, they're doing it to Republicans. It's not good anywhere. And I think Gray Davis just is a is a guy who's been passionate about this issue and really wants free and fair elections. And I, I didn't uh, didn't really have a relationship with him. It was uh, he you know he just uh, you know separately wanted to sign on to the uh, to the bill. Mm. And do you think there is a common ground? Maybe not like a six state compact, but um, Maryland and Virginia, two states that work together on a lot of things. If those two states could come together with better terms, maybe than that original Democratic bill, well, it would be great. But uh, you know, I don't think uh, it, it, that should be. You know, Maryland has terrible districts, the worst in the country, congressional and legislative. Our legislative districts have nothing to do with Virginia. We didn't fix it. Um, our congressional districts are the worst in the country. Um, so just saying, yeah, we, we acknowledge that they're terrible and everybody in the state wants them fixed, but we're going to wait until some other state does something. It just doesn't make sense to me. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, we'd love to have their, I'd like to see all 50 states do it. But, you know, Maryland's not used to, like, 
waiting for everybody else. We like to be leaders, take action. Mm-hmm. Just recently announced was an incentives package for the Amazon headquarters. Um, there have been studies by groups like Good Jobs First that have found you know, mega deals when you get into the billions start to um, amount to millions of dollars invested by states for each job created. Um, do you feel like five billion is the right number for Amazon? Should it be different? Well, it's just it's important to keep in mind that um, three billion of that is not we're not spending any state money. It's a tax incentives to them out of their money in the future. So right now we're not getting anything, um, and they just would pay three million less over you know fifteen years uh, in taxes. The only real direct investment is $10 million a year for 15 years. Um, the $3 million is a break on their taxes in the future, so we're not taking any tax dollars and giving it to them. Um, and it's not affecting the, the bottom line of the state at all. Um, the other two, $2 billion is road improvements and transportation improvements, uh, fixes to Metro, the Purple Line, some of the major highway improvements over there. So there may be some direct benefit to Amazon, but it also helps Montgomery County, Prince George's County, and people sitting in traffic and everybody in the state who will see a better transportation infrastructure. So yeah, I mean, if you said, we're gonna write a check to this company for five billion to come in, obviously that would be absurd. Uh, but to say, if you come in, we'll make sure you have the roads to get your 50,000 employees to work and um, we'll, uh, we'll give you a tax break for each job you create in the future. Um, so we, we pick up 50,000 uh, people with $100,000 a year jobs who are contributing to our economy and buying things and paying taxes and uh, you know using services. And it's, it's, it's not really about what Amazon gets, it's about the benefit to our economy and the direct immediate impact to Maryland is like $38 billion. Um, and for our initial $10 million a year investment, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Do you think the discussion of this possible headquarters project is helping in any way the discussions about metro funding between D.C., Virginia, and Maryland? I hope so, yeah. Well, I mean, as the Washington Post editorial board said, I'm the only one that has a real plan for saving metro and funding metro, and we have a proposal. Uh, there's a shortfall of $500 million a year, and we want to fix it. We offer, uh, we have $125 million on the table ready to contribute. Um, out of the transportation trust fund without raising taxes. Um, and we're working on getting the feds to match that. And we're working, uh, Congresswoman Nancy uh, Comstock from Virginia, um, I had a great conversation with her. She's working on a bill to try to increase federal funding and hopefully we can push to get that done. Virginia and DC are the problem right now. All, all, all the, for all the, four partners have to put up the 125 million, then we have 500 million a year. Um, DC said they want to raise the sales tax, which they should do if that's what they want to do. Um, we don't have to, Virginia is not going to do that either. But uh, they, you know, the previous governor came up with a proposal on how to fund it. Whether the current governor uh, and the legislature are going to do that, I don't know. But we're hopeful that we can get the half a billion dollars a year uh, problem solved at Metro. The, Amazon money also includes, you know, a lot of money to, for Metro improvements, which will help Amazon, but it also help fund Metro uh, because it'll be a lot more people riding. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think we've got time for about one more. Okay, another funding... I take too long, then she doesn't get enough questions. (laughs) Another funding issue uh, very specific to Frederick is the downtown hotel and conference center project. Um, I think you're somewhat familiar with it. Mm -hmm. It's um, a $15 million investment. And is there, you know, each year Democrats uh, work to get it put into the capital budget, and when your budget is introduced, it's not there. Is there something that would, um, they could do to garner your support for that project? Well, so, you know, just, just uh, to give you a little history on it, it's, I, I believe, the only time I can ever remember the legislature ignoring the wishes of the local delegation and doing the opposite. So the Frederick County delegation voted against this. Um, and uh, it's unheard of for the legislature to put a local funding project into a budget when their local delegation is against it. Um, so it was very unusual to begin with. Secondly, you know the state has invested in these types of things in the past, um, and if you look at you know Rocky Gap or the Hyatt uh, Regency in Cambridge or the uh, uh, conference center in Baltimore, Hilton, they've all been disasters for the state taxpayers. Um, the state should not be in the business of competing with the private sector or running hotels. So um, this was uh, very strongly opposed by the Frederick delegation. I think there was one person in particular pushing for it, but everybody else was against it. Uh, and it was unanimously rejected by the stadium authority, which has to approve it. That was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the legislature keeps taking it in anyway. And, you know, we're not going to move forward on it. Okay. Um, let's sneak in one more really quick. Sneak in one. one. You were talking about being a speechwriter. Can okay. you give any preview about the state of the state next week? You know, I think it's going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've been working on it, so um, I really, I am a hands-on guy. As I wanted to say, uh, yeah, I wanted to put it in my words, but, uh, you know, I had people helping, you know, we're pulling together different things, but I'm going to basically talk about, um, you know, what we've accomplished together with the legislature over the past three years. And, and it's funny, most people think I'm at the end of the term because it's the last session. We're actually just, just ending the third quarter, you know, and uh, you're just about to start the, uh, the next uh, the year. But um, I'm going to talk about what we've gotten done and, um, you know, praise to the legislature for working together with us to accomplish certain things and call on them, uh, you know, to continue working in a bipartisan way uh, to get things done over the next year. That's basically it. But we'll lay out our whole agenda and talk about the things that are most important to us. Uh, We're going to talk about crime. We're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about tax relief for seniors, for middle class taxpayers and small businesses. Um, We're going to talk about uh, growing jobs, uh, which we've done very successfully. Um, you know, we've had the fastest growth in jobs in the Mid-Atlantic region, added 110,000 jobs, um, lowered our unemployment rate. And uh, so education, crime, jobs, taxes, the environment, and uh, good government stuff like redistricting and term limits. Okay. Well, thank you. I now, now you, you have to go watch the speech. <laughs>